Hey, hello, and welcome to the show and tell. I'm John Park. Uh, this is Adafruit. This is actually my workshop. I'm a big liar. But here we are. We've got a uh, half hour slot for some extra show and tell uh, for you this week. We already had a, a show and tell, a big, huge, filled up, fat, gigantor one. Oh, I'm going to echo it myself. There's the delay. Uh, last night, there was a fantastic showing, and uh, the the party, it actually never stops. This is the continuation of that party uh, after a little break. Okay. But it didn't stop. It just paused. So uh, I've got some uh, some extra special guests on here for us today to show some cool things. Uh, and uh, I will throw the, the randomizer and uh, see who we're going to pick here. Hey, look, it's going to be Jeff Epler. Jeff, you're up on Show and Tell. Hello. Hi, JP. Thanks so much for showing my MP3 stuff, uh, including yeah. apparently a sneak peek of the next one. Yeah, right on. Yeah, but thank you for the code. This is exciting stuff. Uh, Circuit Python decoding MP3s in real time. Right. And I'm going to continue the MP3 theme. This is actually a project I've been working on uh, since December. And eventually it's going to turn into a guide, but it's kind of perpetually not quite ready. But this is going to be your MP3 playing appliance with CircuitPython. So uh, not that we can focus on it, but here's my list of albums. And you just scroll through and pick the one that you want. And then you've got non-focused album art. And we're playing. We've got a little view meter of what's going on. And it's all self-contained with the uh, battery and the speaker and the SD card. And so start it up, stick it in your backpack, and rock out all day just like we did in the 90s with our Zunes or, or iPods. Was that the 90s or was it the 2000s? I don't, I even, don't even remember now. The Zunes might have been <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> but now they were a reaction to the iPod, so maybe they were the 2000s. Yeah, see, it was just a long time ago. Anyway, you is, stack it. That is fantastic. The, the, uh, the fact that everything is there is kind of mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah, the, got the SD card on there and the battery and the and the uh, speaker and the interface. That's really great. Right. The Adafruit Pygamer just packs in everything you need and puts some simple stuff on top of it. And then goodies like the album art just, you know, it makes it more fun. That's terrific. And are you uh, using any metadata to do this? Or are you sorting them into directories on your SD card to do the albums? Right, it's pretty simple. Um, I did mention that this is with CircuitPython, right? Uh, but yeah, we're just using, um, you can't, well, the reading is hard, but we're showing uh, albums as folder names and track mm -hmm. titles. And so that's uh, basically all it is. Um, mm -hmm. You could definitely add the ID3 tag decoding mm -hmm. if uh, that's what you wanted to do, but that would kind of be a future yeah, expansion idea. Okay. And is a, is an album art like a separate BMP you throw in each folder mm -hmm. to grab? Right, yeah. You can just take um, any old JPEG file, toss it into your photo editor, resize it to 96 pixels, save as a bitmap, and you put it in the folder. Um, mm -hmm. So that's pretty simple. And those bitmap files, they're small compared to the capacity of your SD card. So I have happened to have an 8 gig micro SD in here and you can get them. Um, I was testing actually with a 32 and that works great oh, wow. as well. So, That's a lot of you know, you can put all of those MP3s that uh, you just can't do without. And, and the uh, Pygamer has stereo headphone out, right? So, right. Yeah. So 
if you plug in your headphones right here, the internal speaker automatically switches off and you get it in the headphones. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, the, the set that I'm using, they have a volume slider. So that's how you adjust the volume. Yeah. We haven't quite cracked doing the volume in the Pi Gamer. Uh -huh. um, maybe we'll figure it out or maybe we'll just, uh, you know, an analog slidey volume control actually feels really nice. They're great. So yeah, I think I have a set headphones. of those headphones here and I really like that compared mm -hmm. to anything digital yep. where you're like, you get yep. right where you Absolutely. want and want to go a little lower and now you've turned it off or whatever. So. Right. Oh, uh, that's really, really cool. Um, I, I kind of like that idea of having an MP3 player that's just an MP3 player again. You yeah. Know, yeah. Super retro, but yeah, really cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, is that something you are imminently publishing code or guides on or you, I, you have a schedule? There's a guide in progress. Um, it's probably a couple of weeks out. Um, mm -hmm. But if you ask me on Discord, I can tell you the secret location where you can download this today. And oh, all you have to do is give me some feedback on how, uh, your experience with it. Excellent. Um, well, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, and we will uh, hopefully see you again uh, next week with some more great projects. <laughs> Yeah, I'll have to take a week off. Get, <laughs> All right, we'll uh, uh, get some project recharge going on. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're working on the SD card performance, um, and that doesn't really you know make a glitzy demo, but it just will make everything work a little bit better. So that's mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Good, excellent. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks, JPC. Around. Uh, all right. Well, I want to first of all thank Chris Young for reminding me to place the StreamYard link into Discord, which I had entirely forgotten to do. Uh, and uh, Chris, if you're ready, I'll bring you on. Let's uh, pop that video up. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Going really well. Uh, hang on a second. Um, get my screen share right here. Go to sleep. Okay, um, I had a guide published yesterday, and this is it. It just went up on the the learning system uh, last night, and I didn't get a chance to stop by the show and tell last night, so I thought I would come by here and talk about it. Um, back in the days when the latest Arduino board was the Leonardo, uh, they introduced uh, two libraries called mouse and keyboard libraries. And they allowed you to simulate mouse movement and clicks or keyboard presses uh, over USB. And then when we got the M0 and M4 boards, they also supported that. But M0 and M4 have two different ways of communicating over USB. One is the traditional Arduino USB stack. But then there's a newer one called the Tiny USB stack. And it will do mouse and keyboard but it does it differently. And so if you had legacy code that used the old system and wanted to use it with tiny USB, you had to learn a whole new system. And mm -hmm. furthermore, the NRF52840 only has tiny USB. It does not support Arduino. And I think tiny USB, of course, is going to be the standard going forward because it's the underlying piece of uh, CircuitPython. So it does all sorts of fancy things. But if you had old code, it was hard to learn the new system. And really, there are two kind of philosophies about writing a library. One of them lets you get down deep and dirty and deal with all, all the little details and the bells and whistles. 
And then the other philosophy is to have a library that hides all those details from you and is just a simple, straightforward API. And so the, the old mouse and keyboard hid all of the details. You didn't need to know how to communicate over USB. You didn't need to know about descriptors and protocols and callback functions and all those things. So what my library does is it translates the old Arduino style mouse and keyboard calls into the new tiny USB calls. And in fact, it will auto select uh, which code to use wow. based on, on how you compile what, what you set in the, uh, in the tool. So after I got that working, I thought, well, it's just a, a short hop to do Bluetooth too. And similarly, um, the Bluetooth can do mouse and keyboard, but you gotta know an awful lot about Bluetooth to be able to do that. And so my library, again, presents an API that looks like the old familiar mouse and keyboard, but it allows you to connect to Bluetooth. And it uses the same function calls and everything. Oh, so uh, it was fun, fun project to put together and the guide went up yesterday. And of course this, you know, my focus is assistive technology and we do a lot of mouse and keyboard emulation and we've got a lot of legacy code that uses the old API. So that's why I put it together. That's terrific. I'm looking forward to looking through this. I've, I've used some of the uh, older Arduino stuff and, and it's kind of nice that it'll uh, translate over to using it in a tiny USB. Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I've been working on. Excellent. Great project. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, for both the library as well as the guide. And uh, I think a lot of people will find that useful. So we appreciate you uh, sharing that and, and giving back to the community. community. Okay. Terrific. All right, Chris, take care. Stay safe. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Uh, see, next up, we've got our very good friend, Todd Bot. <laughs> Hello, hey. chuckling Todd hey. Bot. Hey, John. I have, uh, I have one small demo and one small, uh, or no, two small t uh, tips. Okay. So the first is this little demo, uh, just to, as, as a preface. Um, uh, I, I'm on this live stream with Barb Makes Things and Colin Rama called Deep Fried Neurons, where we every week on Friday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific, we just chat about uh, things we've built that kind of help us deal with the current situation. Um, and uh, and this, our, our, our prompt this week was magic spells. I mean, I'm not really a magic person, but here is this magical orb that when you rub it, oh, it glitters, it dazzles, it confuses you. And so this is a good thing to like, you know, uh, spark conversation if you um, are in an awkward social, awkward social situation, um, or if you just want to like, you know, let it go, throw it, and run away. <laughs> and the <laughs> way it works is it's just a Circuit Python, sorry, Circuit Playground Express with Circuit Python and a small bit of magnet wire as a cap cap touch sensor, and um, and a little bit of little bit of Circuit. Circuit Python, uh, Python code, and that's it. And um, the container that it's in is um, one of our kitchen lights died recently, and so I decided to repurpose the nice little diffuser that oh, came with clever. it, and uh, and the very sturdy metal base. This is one of the original LED bulbs from like ten years ago or something. Uh -huh. And um, so yeah, oh, so it ends up working out pretty good. 
That's and then you can cool. like you can whack it really hard and it gets gets angry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you? Is that just because of the? Are you are you checking the speed of the the capacitance change? Is it like a time of flight sort of thing where you're tracking how how aggressively you're ramping up the capacitive read or? Uh, no, this is well. This is using just the standard uh, Touch IO Circuit Python library. Yeah. I am I'm doing a little bit of um, extra stuff because it it sort of auto creates a threshold value when you first in, uh, when you first instantiate the Touch IO object. Yeah, and that threshold value might be wrong if you happen to be holding it yep. while you plug the battery in. Yep. And um and so I have a I have a, a system that sort of kind of recalibrates that. Um, and and minimizes that that threshold to give you more proximity than just touch. Okay. So so it mostly works, but it is a little bit finicky, which is one of the reasons why I have it so that when you whack it, it turns red, is so that it recalibrates. And actually, um, my recalibration is still a little messed up because now it's frozen. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, there aggressively we go. recalibrated. Came back to life. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, I love that, and I also. Um... Was I was wondering what the diffuser you were using was. That's that's really cool, very clever. Because yeah, a lot of these um, LED bulbs, when they do die, which they do, they have uh, metal and plastic rather than like glass, uh, thin glass bulbs. So you can yeah feel that yeah and and um and for the for the flickering effect, I'm using a trick that you see in fast LED fast LED a lot, which uh, fast LED is a uh, cross-platform library for driving addressable LED uh, things. But um, one of the things they do often is you set an LED to a color and then you fade all the LEDs a little bit to dark. And so what this is doing is it's just randomly setting an LED to pick, to purple and then fading all the LEDs to black. And so, and so then over time, the, 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 they'll all fade away. And so it gives a nice sort of like scintillation look, yeah. which I think is really cool again. Yeah, it's uh, really beautiful. All right, so that's that's the demo. The two tips are um, one is that if you're a fan of the trinket like I am, um, you may not know about the Pi ruler. This is my blatant DigiKey uh, Adafruit prompt here. One of the cool things about the Pi ruler is that it is it, it is exactly a trinket on one end, but they use some of the mini unused GPIO to implement uh, four touchpads and four LEDs. They're, I don't have it plugged in right now. Um, but like one of the things that's kind of frustrating is that the trinket is awesome, but you've only got these small number of GPIOs. Well, now you got a whole bunch more GPIOs and they're already pre-configured as touch buttons. So you can use that. And it's also a ruler like your standard circuit board ruler, but this is only a few bucks more than a normal trinket. And if the trinket starts going out of stock because maybe they're not, more of them aren't being made or something, um, these are also in stock. <laughs> that's very cool. In fact, I am I am like very low on or out of trinkets in general and they're they're kind of out of stock right now. I almost yep. wonder about shaving off the ruler end of the ruler. <laughs> no, I was thinking the same thing, and I and I kind of wish they would have like put a bunch of like holes yep. here, so you yeah. could just kind of you know? <laughs> emergency. And so, and so then the other tip is uh, is this stuff, which is um, it's Velcro. Uh, it's sold in a big roll, and this is a, it costs about maybe eight bucks for this roll, but it's terrible Velcro material. So you just like take off the bit you want, rip it. And now you've got a way to wrap your cables just very quickly. And um, and so I use this for everything. I use this for power cables, for little patch cables. Uh, what else? Yeah, I don't know. I got, I got a bunch of cables around here. I use it to, oh, use it for my, um, my jumper leads, for my power supply, 
to keep them out of the way. And, like um, and it's green because it's sold to gardeners to ripe, to wrap their plants in to like, oh. be a, to be a nice delicate, uh, kind of For cinching instance. up to your, to your, yeah, to your posts or whatever. Oh, okay. But um, they, 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 they do have a black version they mm -hmm. sell for like twice as much. <laughs> and um, oops. And I use that to, uh, to wrap my power cable on my laptop. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is great stuff. It's like eight bucks on Amazon or something. Um, Velcro, I don't know what's called Velcro terrible wrap or something. I can probably Good. find a link to it. Anyways. Hey, if you find the name, throw a link in discord. Uh, we'll do. Yeah. You can see it or, or, and or YouTube. That's uh, oh really yeah. Not, not terrible. Tear. Oh, <laughs> able, able to be torn. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I thought you were saying it was terrible Velcro. It's like really terrible. bad, but it's just good terrible. enough. No, no, no. no. <laughs> you uh, one one can tear it like this. Ah, <laughs> oh, English. Okay. How about cuttable? Cuttable. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> anyway, this stuff's great. Um, and the and, and and Velcro much much better uh, than twist ties because there's no metal involved, which can yeah. short. You know. That's great. Kind of good. Really good all tip. Right. Thank you that's so all much. My, that's all my things. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Love the terrible tip. All right. Uh, next up, we have Brent. Brent Rubel. What are you up to, Brent? Hi, John. I have Hello. no terrible, terrible tips this week. <laughs> Good. That's the only I'll come with the tip next week. Um, so last night, I showed uh, a phone module that was texting my phone. And today, I was playing around uh, editing some functionality. And now we can text the phone module. So if we send it help, um, it'll take a while because it's on 2G. It, it actually doesn't take that long. It will process, uh, it will send a notification uh, back to, so it's reading from the UART. And whenever there's a new data coming in from the UART, it will parse the data out and then reply to my text message. So we'll say temperature, humidity, pressure, status. And there's a BME 280 sensor on there that can do temperature, humidity, and pressure. The 688 adds gas, but um, I don't think that's necessary. This is enough. Mm -hmm. So you could text status. And then it will reply back with all the sensors. Or you could text temperature, and it will only give you the temperature sensor. So uh, why this is useful is like you could expand this to any sensor you want. And you can also expand this to like relays or controlling lights in your mm -hmm. apartment. So sometimes like I really like, <laughs> I really do like IOT related things, but um, sometimes it's not feasible. Like you're in a one bar area or you don't have 4G and you're trying to turn your like Philips Hue lights on or off. This is a good alternative where it's really simple. You could save the sensor in your, in your phone as like, a contact, and mm -hmm. then you can just text your phone that's sitting on a desk or sitting next to your power strip. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, I can see that, uh, especially for some applications, I, I know there are um, vineyards that use sensors that are way the heck out in the field. And I imagine uh, the chance of maybe having a cell tower coverage could be could be much greater than than trying to beam some Wi-Fi way the heck across. A bunch of yeah, lines. it's also easier and would be good for like a landlord who needs to check on like a boiler room or something. They could just, mm -hmm. it's like my apartment, oh, boiler room. And um, this will be a guide probably by next Wednesday. 
That's great. Excellent. Um, really excited about that. Nice work uh, expanding this in, in a quick turnover, turnaround in less than 24 hours. You've added some cool functionality for us to, to check out. So very cool. I appreciate yeah, thank it, you. Brent. All right. Well, excited to see where that goes next. And uh, let's see. Next up, we've got Jacob T. Let's bring Jacob on. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. Your oh, video excellent. is flipped upside down, but you, maybe you know that. Oh, it's not meant to be. Hang on a second. Okay. I'm on now my phone, sideways. so is that better? Uh, you went sideways, but now you're back to upside down. Okay, let's turn it the other way. You're right side up. Yeah. Hey, okay, cool. Um, hi, everyone from England. Um, so I just wanted to show progress. Sorry, I'm on my phone, but um, I'm currently building an e-ink based display and I'll just show you the progress we've got so far. Great. I'll see if this works. Yeah, okay, cool. So the idea is um, I come from a part of England which is very cloudy, it rains a lot, and we don't really see the moon much. So I wanted to build a circuit Python powered moon phase display. So there's a really cool uh, NASA blog post every year which gives you a JSON uh, file, which has uh, the phase of the moon for every hour of every day for that year. So I wrote a quick Python um, file on my computer to pass out the data for once per day, for 8 p.m. per day, loaded that up onto a CircuitPython, an itsy bitsy, which is just there. And I wrote uh, or modified the code in the Adafruit display shapes library to be able to have the dark side of the moon um, drawn depending on the phase of the moon and the age of the moon. So basically it's using the same circle code, but it's drawing the arcs depending on the influence of that percentage of the phase. And depending on the age of the moon, it will either put the crescent on one side of the moon or the other. So it's looking pretty good and I'm gonna plug it in and hope that it updates. Let's hopefully see this work. Um, so it's not connected to the internet. Um, it's the, the file that you get from the NASA website is something like four megabytes. Uh, so I don't know if it's within the capabilities of Circuit Python to uh, pass that. I do have some airlift feather wings, so it's something I might try. But anyway, it works really reliably. Um, I'm really glad that Tanute got the low power mode out because as you can see, it's connected to a battery and hopefully this will all fit into this 3D printed case um, and form a really nice kind of low profile, small package that hopefully, if you can imagine all the electronics are inside, we'll just sit on, whoop, try that again. Hopefully it will be able to sit upright on a desk like that and you won't see any of the electronics. So yeah, that's the, that's the project. That's it's beautiful. gone really, really yeah. well. Um, yeah, I, and I don't know whether, if there's an Itsy Bitsy ESP32S2 that comes out that has the memory to do the passing as well, then I'll definitely look into that. Um, but at the moment, this looks quite nice. Yeah, really beautiful. Uh, I, I love the 
clever approach to uh, dealing with the shapes just as a as a customized arc uh, rather than trying to yeah, load a bazillion yeah. images on or something like that. Well, that that's the main thing that got me. Like um, yeah. doing the dithered image of the moon was. It took me so much time to try and get that image looking right that the idea of doing that for every phase of the moon was just scary. So yeah. uh, being able to draw that shape on is great. Um, one bit I would like to expand on is um, depending, I think, on your latitude and the time of year, the angle at which the moon is turned also mm -hmm. changes. Mm -hmm. um, but that gets me into a whole headache of being able to rotate bitmaps and circuit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen on Discord, I think there's some transforming of shapes coming to CircuitPython, but I'll yeah. just have to wait how that goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see how it does. Yeah, I'm excited to see if that if that comes to CircuitPython as well. Uh, yeah, really yeah, it'd be really cool. Yeah, excellent, fantastic cool. project. Thank you for bringing it on. It's looking yeah. really wonderful. Thank you very much. See ya. Take care. All right, and speaking of Tan Newt, uh, there's a wild Tan Newt that has made his presence known. Hey, Scott. Hello. Uh, I don't know of any like image rotation stuff coming anytime soon, so that <laughs> will be tricky. But I think they could figure it out. Um, I had two two things to show. First, um, I got this awesome, this nice note note from Lane from Oshbark. Oh, fantastic! Um, and I got ooh, a shiny sticker. Ooh, it's holographic is, looking. Yeah, which is cool. Um, thanks for the deep dive. Uh, so I wanted to plug the deep dives I've been doing at, uh, on Fridays at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Excellent. And then I also wanted to show, we had talked about the, the dip flips before, and I did a bigger one. Nice. And I got it in After Dark because I was like, oh, I'm not going to actually do it. Come on. <laughs> so... Uh, this copper color here is actually literally copper, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Oshpark has uh, After Dark, where the the solder mask that prevents solder from sticking to it is uh, clear. So you can actually see the whole contents of the, uh, of the circuit board, which is super cool. And so this is kind of like, you can definitely see how the flip dip works. It literally just like flips the signals from one side of the board to the other. Um, so I thought that was cool. And then uh, the last thing is I got a DigiKey order. And in that DigiKey order, I got three more of the ESP32-S2 Sala boards. Uh, these are the ones, I think, with the, without the extra RAM. So this will be a different board than the original one that I've been hacking on as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so check out my stream tomorrow to see uh, more board stuff. And uh, hoping to get the PR polished up so we can actually get it out for review by the end of the week. And that is for adding ESP32? S2, yeah. S2. Yep. Which is the first ESP chip that has native USB. So mm -hmm. you'll be able to plug it in, get a CircuitPython drive. And we don't currently do Wi-Fi, but the long term, we'll be able to do native Wi-Fi mm -hmm. uh, on a very inexpensive chip, which is really impressive. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Excellent. Well, thank you mm -hmm. for stopping by with that. And one other question I had is, what's the trace width on that uh, dip flip board? Of uh, I think it's <laughs> it's the KiCad default. So I okay. think it's um, just under 10 millimeters, okay. if I remember right. It's like 9.8 or something. So it's not as small as Oshpark can go. And I wish it would just okay. decide. 
Oh, it just, yeah, it just focused for a moment and it looks like I can see some space between them because it looked like a solid wall of. of oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's definitely not solid. Let me try to get it. I'm, I'm working on getting a better camera here. But yeah, it looks solid there, but it's not actually. We were talking about aliasing yesterday and you can see I actually did a, like the, the auto router left a little gap here. So it's not like perfectly even. Got it. Um, but yeah, they're just running like within as close as they can to each other. Uh -huh. Just use the auto router and or the the push and shove router and KeyCAD makes it really easy. Uh, you mentioned the cameras. One thing I'll, I'll, I'll add a tip to, to this show and tell myself is uh, if you're on a Mac, there is a pretty inexpensive app you can get in the App Store uh, called Webcam Settings. Hmm. And depending on the webcam you're using, particularly if it's like a Logitech or something that's plugged in and not the native one, right. it's excellent because it allows you to do things like manual focus, manual aperture, saturation, white balance. It like stops it from doing all this autofocus oh. time. And it's very helpful with with uh, any kind of podcasting in particular, even if you're going to turn it into a down shooter or just on your face. Um, I've been using a version of that for a few years uh, in my other setup where I have a, a little mm -hmm. Logitech. Um, yeah, send me a link because I do have a C920 here. Yeah, it's perfect um, for them. But I, what I'm hoping for is I have this RX100 mm -hmm. Mark III or something. So like a number of years old. But it turns out it can do clean HDMI out. Ah, nice. Yeah. Um, at 1080p, maybe wow. even 60 frames a second. So wow. yeah. Um, there's currently a run on webcams and Magewells and stuff. Yeah. So no, I've, got, how to... I've got one ordered and we'll see when I, when I uh -huh. can get it. Good. Good luck with that. Excellent. Thanks. And uh, yeah, thanks for plugging the show. People, uh, please go tune in tomorrow to see the deep dive that Scott does every Friday. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Well, that does it for our show and tell by Scott. And uh, I'll say goodbye, too. So uh, please check out the uh, website and the Adafruit Discord to see when our next batch of shows is coming. We've got uh, Scott's deep dive tomorrow. Uh, and then starting uh, again, I think on next Tuesday, we've got a whole slew of things happening in the Adafruit Live series. Uh, for Adafruit Industries, I'm John Park, and I will see you next time.